Packers Daily with Jason Mertides. And welcome to another episode of the Flyers Daily Podcast with Jason Martinez. Yours truly here, August 18th edition. Jason Smith going to join Bill Meltzer and I in just a moment, the new assistant coach of the Lehigh Valley Phantoms on Ian LaPerriere staff. But before we get there, let's bring in the man right now. You read his work on NHL.com, PhiladelphiaFlyers.com, and HockeyBuzz.com. It is Bill Meltzer who joins us right now. Billy, how you doing? Well, we are about to get... Uh... You know, uh, a whole slew of happenings uh, from development camp, training camps around the corner. It's, uh, you know, it feels like it's, it's just about here after a long, long time. You know, it's weird because this time last year, we're in round number one of the Stanley Cup playoffs in Toronto inside the bubble. And the cup from the 1920 season hadn't yet been handed out. And since, there's been two handed out to the same team. It, yeah, that's really wild. And when, when you think about, you know, as, as recording this uh it was a, a year ago, I guess, uh, tomorrow was when Carter Hart reported the, the second straight shutout in the Montreal series, right? Wow. And how much how much changes in the course of, of a calendar year, you know? And as you said, two cups have been handed out in that time. It's uh, pretty crazy when you think about it. Yeah, that's wild. And kind of where he finished that playoff run, and he was such a big part of it. And, and then the season that just happened, and now he's got a three-year contract extension. It's, it's so much to be determined. Uh, Bill, what's your level of expectation on what's going to happen uh, in regards to the arbitration as we get closer and closer to it for Travis Sanheim? Is this a situation where you think it's something that will be avoided, or is this going to go right down to the wire? I think it's going to go to the wire. But I, if, if I had to you know, come down one side or the other, I think they'll come to – an agreement before they actually walk into the room. There's just there's just so much risk that's involved in, in having to go to the arbitrator. And given given where the flyers are cap wise, that an unfavorable ruling could put them put them over the ceiling. I think they they want to you know they want to have their own determination in that and come to an agreement beforehand if at all possible. Yeah, you don't want to cede that that position to to have the arbitrator put you over the cap. With that said, do you expect some kind of move to happen here? Because they are now very limited in their space. I would not be surprised if uh, if at some point before the start of the season, the Flyers do make a move to to create a little cap space for themselves. And they, they do have some options here. You know, there's uh, not that it, not that you ever want to be looking at a long term injured reserve allowance for a season. But I mean, look at look at the way that uh, teams like Toronto and Tampa Bay. Use that as a use that as a strategy. I mean, if you're really pressed for for space and you're looking at being over the cap, you can potentially acquire someone who you know isn't going to play. It's but it's funny how that's an asset in today's game, right? Yeah. A guy who knows isn't going to play for you, but he actually provides you some some cap space just to uh, to replace his you know to replace the salary of the roster. I mean, I, you know, you never you never want to you never want to be over the cap. I mean, I, I think ideally the Flyers would find a way to create a little little room regardless. Um, you don't want, also don't want to be in a situation where in order to be compliant, you know, you're, you're dressing, you only have six defensemen, you have a minimum number of forwards. You want to have, you want to have depth. You want to be able to, you know, replace, to replace a guy in the, in the lineup as an injury or that kind of thing. You don't want to be so tight to the cap that you're just crossing your fingers that everyone stays healthy. So, you know, I, I would expect there to be some kind of a move, but, you know, the, at least, at least you have the flexibility where the rosters aren't submitted until right before the start of the season. So it doesn't have to be done the day that, that uh, something is in place with Travis Sanheim one way or the other. But 
But I do expect them to find some route to create a little space for themselves because you don't want to, you know, you don't want to have a whole season where you're you're tight to the cap or you know relying on, on long term and just looking at okay, how much does this guy cost if we call him up? And you want to be able to ice the best team you possibly can. So yeah, I, yeah. You don't want to be putting the, the jigsaw puzzle together every time you need to do a call-up from a financial standpoint. You want the coaching staff and the organization, Chuck Fletcher, to have that flexibility, like you said, to ice the best team. Um, one of the things that happened this offseason was the, the changes in Lehigh Valley. Ian LaPerriere gets the head job, and, and he said right away, I'm not going to rush to fill out my staff. I'm going to fill out my staff properly. Our guest on this episode is Jason Smith. And before we get to Schmitty, uh, you know, he and Ian LaPerriere played the game in a, in a similar fashion. And I always use the term an honest fashion. They played the game honestly. They played it hard. Um, you know, seeing a guy like Jason Smith, who is a rarity in Bill. I mean, he only spent one year here, but it was with a C on his sweater. Uh, but, uh, you know, the hiring of Jason Smith to, from a head job in Kelowna and the WHL with the Rockets uh, to being an assistant on the Ian LaPerriere staff, it's not shocking because the fit's there. Oh, sure. And, um, you know, even though Jason played a, a, a throwback style of hockey, with him having coached in the junior ranks as a an assistant coach and as a head coach, um, you know, he, he, he's up on today's players. I mean, he knows the game is, is different than what it was when he was playing. But, I mean, you talk about a guy who embodied a Warriors mentality. You know, when, when the Flyers had the, their playoff run to the conference final in, in 2008, Smith played the, the playoffs with two separated shoulders. You know, how? <laughs> I, I don't even know. I don't even know how, how he was able how? to do them. But that's, you know, that, that just that just speaks to how mentally tough he was, and what a competitor he was, and, and how respected he was. Because he wasn't an offensive defenseman. He wasn't going to, you know, he wasn't a, a Norris Trophy candidate. He wasn't an all-star, but he was – a leader wherever wherever he played in the NHL, and uh, and I think that the respect that he commanded, um, really really, and the trust that he enjoyed from every coach he had, and he played for some different kinds of coaches, but they all, you know, they, they all had a lot of faith in him as, as a hockey player. So I think that uh, he brings he brings that credibility as well as his, his coaching pedigree, and he has quite a bit of coaching experience at this point too, including some of the 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 NHL level as an assistant. Um, whereas Lappy is a first-time head coach. So I think that that's, uh, you know, they have the potential of being a, a very good dynamic together. Plus, that's a, plus Riley Armstrong has uh, you know, quite a bit of coaching experience at this point, too. So, I mean, it has the potential to be a good staff. Yeah, it's one of the things Lappy said, too. He needed some guys that had some, some coaching experience to fill out that staff as well. And it's ironic that, uh, you know, Jason Smith came here, and you mentioned that conference final he gets to. They get to that conference final after the the – you know, the, the struggle the year prior, which is putting it mildly, and then a lot of the changes that took place in that offseason when he came, guys like Kimo Timonen were added, guys like Scott Hartnell were added, Danny Briere. It was a pivot point for the franchise for many years to come. Uh, we're probably at a similar pivot point for the Flyers franchise right now. And he joins us right now on Flyers Daily. It is former Flyer captain, former NHL player of over a 1,000 games, and uh, now assistant coach on the Lehigh Valley Phantoms, Jason Smith, who joins us right now. Jason, how you doing? Doing very well. Thanks for having me. Uh, How's your summer been? How's how's it been kind of going through uh, this twisted offseason, I guess is the best way to put it? 
Oh, summer's been great. I mean, the weather's been really good up to this point and uh, playing a little golf and uh, obviously excited about the new opportunity ahead. I think, uh, you know, having been in junior hockey the last bunch of years and get a chance to get uh, back to the pro ranks is uh, exciting and be a part of the Flyers organization again is uh, is awesome. Jason, can you kind of walk us through how the opportunity to come back to Philly came about? Oh, I think started out with a phone call from uh, from Lappy, and he uh, first thing he said to me was he wasn't calling me to challenge me to a fight. He wanted to make sure <laughs> make sure I knew that, and uh, he just asked if I had interest in uh, you know making the move up to the American League. He thought uh, with uh, the experience I have as a player, and then uh, the experience I have coaching over the last bunch of years you know, at all kinds of different levels that, uh, you know, it would be a good fit. And, uh, you know, we kind of spoke a few times and uh, the opportunity came about, which uh, is obviously very exciting. Schmidt, you, you and Lappy played the game very similarly, although he was an offensive offensive player, you were a defenseman. Uh, oftentimes I would say that you guys looked like you played the game. You wore the, you wore the, the battles on your face. Um, when you guys were discussing philosophically where you were, how, how common and how kind of consistent were they in, in belief between you and him? Well, I think we had, a, had talked, talked and had some real good conversations and a lot of things were, were very, uh, very common between the two of us. I think uh, something that Lappy has taken pride in when he was a player and I think what his core beliefs are as, as a coach is, is you've got to be willing to put in the work and, you know, Hard work is is, is not uh, negotiable. Whether you're uh, coaching or or you're playing the game, uh, hard work and, and compete is is non negotiable. You can make mistakes, but if if you're not competing and uh, trying to be, be the best teammate you can be, but also be you know the best individual player by putting your best foot forward, uh, that's not acceptable. And accountability is is something that he talked about. And I think we just had uh, a lot of common ground in in beliefs and what what it takes for, for players to still have success in the league. I think the game has changed a lot, but if you don't compete and aren't prepared to get in the hard areas and play the game uh, with a purpose every time you're on the ice, you, you can't have success. And, and Jason, how fundamental do you and Lab and Riley see, see these things being to the team identity that you want for the Phantoms? And in, in terms of systems-wise, how closely have you talk, guys talked about aligning your systems in Lehigh Valley to, to being what, you know, uh, AV and the coaches up at the NHL level run? Well, I think we we, we want to try and mirror what they do with, with a lot of our stuff, our five-on-five five play, our penalty kill. Um, I think I think the organizations that, that mirror each other give the guys a real opportunity to have success when they do get called up. If you're playing a completely different game and not on the same page, you're spending so much time trying to give direction and coach that, I think uh, you you can wear guys out mentally before they even get a chance to play. But if you're if you're doing things similar and you're trying to accomplish, uh, it gives the guys the best opportunity to develop, grow, and uh, do well when they do get an opportunity. Whether it's you know whether it's for a short-term call-up or or a long-term guy that's going to become a future you know NHL player. If if you've got a system and a structure where everybody's on the same page it really gives you a chance to uh go up and and have a smooth transition jason when you came into the league you're you're a first round pick you were drafted high 18th overall back in the 92 draft 
And I've talked to Lappy about that too, the, the term non-negotiable. They're things, hey guys, the, these things are not even worth arguing because you got to do them, whether that's preparing your mind, getting the proper amount of sleep, what you put into your body, preparing yourself physically. What was it that got you to over a thousand NHL games? What were your core beliefs as a player that now you've carried on to your coaching post-playing career that you preached in Kelowna, that you pe- preached in Ottawa when you were there as an assistant in 2014-15 in those two years, and that you'll continue to preach now? Well, I think it's 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 an honor, and you know you get a chance to play a game and earn a living. It's uh, it's something that it's hard. You got to put in a lot of work, but you're playing a game. Um, you're, you're you're in a situation where you should be having fun and being committed to what you're doing. I think the only w- true way to have success for me as a player was was to put the work in and you know give everything I had every time I was at the rink. I think you know you have days where maybe you don't feel feel 100%, but if you go out and, and work at getting better, uh, whether you're playing or coaching, trying to help players get better as a coach, uh, the little details. I learned a lot in my first three and a half years in Jersey from Larry Robinson, just little things about the game that I, I think I could probably say that I learned more in, in, you know, three and a half years from Larry than, than, than I did from a lot of coaches along the way. I think just the, the commitment, uh, the little details with stick position and footwork and, and not resting on the ice. You got to be engaged in the play and following the play, or you should be getting off the ice and making a change. If you're, if you're lag- lagging behind the play, you can't defend the game properly, and, and you can't give yourself an opportunity to have success if you're if if you're not engaged. Uh, last season, due to the pandemic, a, a lot of players who would otherwise have had to play junior hockey had an opportunity to play in the American League. Tyson Forster, Sade Wisdom, Mason Millman, and in the, in the Flyers' case, but players, you know, really in m- many organizations, and it seemed like a lot of those guys. You know, pretty well held their own in the American League, even though they were still teenage players. Did that surprise you at all to see that? Well, I think you know, I, I think the the transition now might be easier for some guys because there's such a commitment to to training and and you know being hockey all the time. I think if you go back to '92, I I barely hit the gym before I became a pro, and uh, you know these guys are doing it from the time they're you know 12 or 13 years old and you kind of get in the routine of, of doing things and, you know, developing skill. But, you know, I, I think there's, there's a, there's a, a confidence level in, in today's young players that, that uh, really transfers over to having success. If, if they're putting the work in and doing things right, uh, they're very co- If they're coachable players, uh, you can transition from league to league and maybe not have those speed bumps that uh, some players had back uh, when I started and, and, Obviously, in the in the previous years, I think that transition is somewhat easier for him now because junior hockey is such a high level of play compared to what it once was. It's very more system oriented, and uh, you know there's video. And if you go back to when I played junior, you had uh, a couple of VHS tapes, and you know you're fast forward and rewinding to to watch games. Now players get to watch themselves uh, right away, and you know they can ask questions if they're struggling. And you can give them direction and hopefully coach them to get better when when they are having a tough time. What's the difference for you going from being the head? You were ahead uh, the last bunch of years out in Kelowna for the Rockets in the WHL. Uh, now you're going to be an assistant coach. Sometimes the head coach is the hammer and the assistant coach is the bridge. And, and the more that, you know, does the 
with today's players, you got to tell them why for some reason. But that's just, I guess, the way it is, especially young players. But uh, what's the difference from from a mentality and approach standpoint for you, coming from being ahead to to being an assistant on a staff? Well, I think the biggest thing is, as an assistant, you need to make sure you're relaying the, the message that the head coach wants. Uh, yeah. You know, the the message needs to be consistent. It needs to be clear and. If the assistant coaches are relaying that message and everybody's on the same page, yes, the head coach will probably be firmer and harder in a lot of situations. But the assistant coach needs to uh, to mend those mend those bridges. Uh, really try to work on the details and you know work players through struggles. It, playing 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 is hard. It's it's not it's not easy. It's it's very uh, very taxing at times and you know competitive and and. It's a very confidence-oriented uh, uh, game when you when you feel confidence and and trust in what you're doing as a player. It's a lot easier to go out there and play. So if, if all the staff is on the same page, the head coach is is the message deliverer. The assistant coach has got to make sure that in those in those video sessions and in, in the teaching on the ice that that same message is what the head coach wants and what the organization wants. And, you know, you need to establish relationships and confidence in the players that. You know they have trust in you, and you're you're looking out for their best interest, trying to get them to be a better player and have the most success they can. Um, after the recent entry draft, um, Brent Flair was saying that with the selection of Ethan Sampson, in addition to feedback, obviously from Mark Gray, your uh, your feedback on the player too fed into the comfort level the organization had in drafting. What did you see from Ethan? Last year, well, I think he's he's a he's he's a very young, skilled guy that has poise with the puck. He can skate well, and just his the way his develop, body developed and his game developed from from year one as a 16 year old to playing as a 17 year old. I think he's got a great upside. And you know, as as a, as a young defenseman, at one time I, I think you you see things that that are that are important in players that may give them a chance to have success. And uh, he. He has a lot of those traits that I think are, are really important for, for a young player. And now it's about him putting the work in and the commitment and, and you know, growing as a player and, and getting it, getting better every day. I think he's got the, the work ethic to want to get better, to, to grow his game and become a, become a professional player. And um, uh, on the upside, he's, he's got lots of upside and growth in his game. And, that, and that's what you want. But as a guy that has been coaching in the junior ranks and draft eligible players for the vast bunch of years, and a guy who played over a thousand games in the league, like I said, you were a high draft pick as well. Uh, you know, today's game is so much speed, so much skill. Uh, how long does it? Uh, there's there's no right answer to this, but just in your opinion, you know, ballpark. How long does it take for a guy to develop in the as an NHL defenseman to to really understand all the intricacies of this game? Because we we saw, you know the Flyers really struggled defensively this past year. And there's a lot of guys that, you know, as a result regressed numbers wise, a lot of, some of that might be circumstance. Some of that might be development. Some of that might be pandemic. I don't know. But all of that said, how long does it take before you can truly evaluate an NHL defenseman? Well, I think to just put a timeline on it is really hard. Like you said, but I think yeah. the, the biggest thing is, is, is the work and the steps along the way. I think, you know, jumping in, Unless you're an elite, elite player, it takes it takes players time, you know, mature time in the American League, uh, growing to become a man, and you know, learning to become a pro. I think there there's steps along the way, and and some some guys can fast track through that by 
you know, by compete and hard work and, and uh, you know, the culture, culture that they've been in in the past. You know, some guys it, uh, it today, I think, that get, that get drafted or are real good players. I don't think they've really learned how to play the game in, in certain situations because they've either been really gifted offensively or they can skate really well. So I think there's, you know, there's there's lots of there's there's lots of there's lots of mud in the mix there, and you got to really figure out what a guy needs and how you can give him direction. But I mean, growth and becoming a player, I think, is all based on the individual, There's the setting in the organization, the depth of the organization. Um, I know with with some of the veteran guys that we've added to to our American League group down there that have lots of experience will really help the young guys grow and develop because they're true professionals. They play the game the right way. They work the right way. They've all had a taste of, of playing, you know, in the National League and getting some experience. And if, if you got guys that are leading your group down there, that, that development curve could be a lot quicker because if guys are doing the right things uh, and the team is doing the right things, you're not going to win every game. But if the, the detail and, and the commitment to um, growing, getting better and and playing, you know, playing the game the right way with passion, uh, work ethic is non-negotiable. You give yourself the fastest chance to develop and grow. In other words, success at the NHL level is not a straight line. I say it all the time. It's not a straight shot. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, I mean, these days I think you've got, you've got some elite first round guys that go early in the draft that jump in and have success right away and, you know, score goals and, and create power play points. But I, I think you look at the teams that have had long runs of, of winning years, they have a real good minor league system where they develop players, they get an opportunity, they get up, they get a sniff of it. You know, they end up back in the minors a little bit, then there's an injury and somebody comes up and they can really step in and, and, uh, and make an impact. So, you know, you don't want to hurry guys too much. You don't want to, delay them too much but I, I think every player in every situation and every uh every team is different when you look at the, the depth that you have going in, in lehigh valley this year what are your impressions and also how important will some of the veterans you guys have brought in like if adam clendenning types be to you know, helping the team get to, to that next level and helping prepare some of the young players too to step up well i i think like the, the preparation part of it and and creating the right habits and practice, uh, playing the games the right way, you know, living the right way away from the rink. That's all your, that's your base and your core. You know, you have to develop that foundation where, you know, there's no gray area in the preparation and, and what you want to do. And when you have good veterans, those are the guys that, that can really help with that. And then, I mean, with the experience that our coaching staff has, I mean, uh, Lappy did things the right ways for right way for a lot of years. And that's why he had the career he did. Uh, Riley's, you know, spent a lot long time in pro hockey and, and competed and, and, and uh, you know, worked hard and was a blue collar guy. And I think when you, when you have guys around that, that it can establish a culture and push things the right way, you're going to give that, that youth and those young players the best chance to develop. And, you know, some guys might take steps, big steps in a hurry. Some guys might have struggles, but it's all about, it's about getting to that point and when they get to the NHL that they they can become very serviceable players or with the amount of player movement in this day and age in the league, you want to develop assets that other teams other teams like that can maybe help your your big team become uh, 
you know, a contender rate at the end of the year. If you got assets that you can give up that have, have taken great strides, that's uh, that's all a part of the development process, and, and that goes into your development staff, your scouting staff, and and that that's what makes good teams good teams for a long time. You have a very distinct honor. You wore the C as a member of the Flyers, and it's odd because you're only here for one season. What do you recall about that 07-08 season uh, when you were the captain of the Flyers? Well, I, I think from the start, it was uh, from the day I got there, I, I really realized that you know how much pride and, and how much uh, passion is in the city uh, for, for their sporting teams, but just the way the organization went about things. Uh, obviously, the year before was a disappointing year, uh, and they made a lot of changes that offseason. You met, look at all the uh, guys that were added, uh, you know, your Danny Breer, Scott Hartnell, Kimo Timonen, um, myself, Joffrey Lupul. There was, a, there was a big turnover in the roster with a real good group of young guys. I think we had experience, and uh, I think we had a group that was willing to work. And when we worked, we, we played the game as a team and, and committed, and it was – you know, it was one year that I was there, but it was it was one of the most fun years I had playing hockey, being around a real good group of guys and an organization that really cared about the team and, and the, its players. When you look back to that year, you know, Danny had been a, a captain in Buffalo, Kimo had been a leader, you were a leader in Edmonton. You know, do you see any parallels to what uh, Chuck Fletcher has done this offseason in terms of Ryan Ellis was a leader in, in Nashville and Ristolainen had worn a letter in Buffalo and you go down the line. Cam Atkinson was a leadership type. You know, when, you, when you're changing the culture of a team, when you change that group that's kind of in the central, you know, part of the leadership group, how much can that do to turn around a team maybe within the course of a single season like you guys had in 2007-08? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I mean, leadership and, you know, experience can really help. I think it, it all comes down to, you know, the guys getting together and, you know, recognizing that, you know, you are a team and you have to do things the right way as a group. You can't have one guy wanting to lead a certain way and another guy kind of doing his things. But when, when, we, when we got together as a group, that leadership group on that team, you know, which consisted of, of uh, Danny and Kimo and, and Hatch and, and Mike Knubel, uh, there was experience, but there was guys that, uh, you know, had, had had success at different levels. And, you know, when you, when you put a group together, when you make big changes there, there, there's probably going to be some growing pains at the start, but as, as the guys grow and become a true team, you want that, that leadership group to, they, they got to be pulling the rope and leading those guys down the path. Your, your young guys and, your your youth and your your players that are maybe less experienced if they see veteran guys doing things the right way practicing creating the right habits it's contagious and that's that's what you want within your within your group to give you a chance to to win games and and uh, obviously be be in the right spot at the end of the year last thing for you um how much are you chomping at the bit to get started oh it's it's exciting i think uh, we've had some zoom meetings and uh <laughs> and lots of conversations and i think uh once uh get the get the old visa situated here which is uh taking a little time but uh definitely excited to get out there for uh the development cap at the end of the month and then uh you know get things rolling from there it'll be uh lots of time at the rink and learning 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 about the new players and then uh obviously once uh, uh rookie camp starts uh then the uh then the, the real fun begins. You know, you get to start teaching and, and really being a part of uh, 
what we're going to become as a team. Well, it's going to be fascinating, and you're right. The rookie camp coming up at the end of August, it's not far away at this point. We're, we're kind of knocking on the door almost. So, And you get re, kind of reacclimated in Philadelphia again. You had a short <coughs> stay here last time. You were in Jersey for a while, but East Coast living, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, well, like you said, I remember – I remember the day we moved into our house in, in Haddonfield, the year I played. The, the humidity was about 100% and it was about 100 degrees. And I remember just sweating and grinding it out, moving some boxes. But, uh, you know, it's, it's a great area. The, the support for the, you know, the organization uh, is awesome. I think the, the, the fan base for all the sporting teams in, in that area is second to none. And uh, look forward to being back a part of the, the Flyers family. Jason, thanks for doing this. Thank you for having me. Thanks to Bill Meltzer. Thanks to Jason Smith. Thanks to you for listening. Back Friday, another brand new episode of the Flyers Daily Podcast as we tick down the days, 58 days, till the Flyers take on the Vancouver Canucks in the 2021 NHL season, 21-22 season, excuse me, will officially drop the puck on October 15th. But thanks for listening. We'll talk to you on Friday's Flyers Daily.